Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Everybody, amen. It's always a pleasure to, uh, to come back to Virginia. It's a joy to see everybody. Uh, it's a joy to see new faces. We're going to believe God that God's going to give us, give us revival. Folks, we need men that rise up. I'm not preaching on that, but, uh, you know, we're, we're an age where folks, man, sheesh, we need, we need some men to get it and run for Jesus. Somebody talk to me. Uh, enough. Folks know how to do the X, X, Y, O, O square or whatever's on their little controller. But I'm talking about doing something for God. My days, I got saved, and man, when God became a reality, I'm just kind of wondering, is God a reality, some of you guys? I was wrestling today, honest to God. I, I have my, my thoughts on the airplane and what I was going to preach, and, and I'm just uh, through the course and chatting with some folks, and folks, I'm going to be honest. Can I be honest? I'm your brother. I'm going to be honest. I'm disappointed in some of you. And I'm disappointed, and the reason why is because I really believe that we can be so much more. And I've, I tried my best to put that in my messages and my heart in that. Folks, we need to rise up. You hear what I'm saying? We need to rise up. I'm challenging you men, dress. Did I say something wrong? I was going to preach it tonight, so I was so disturbed, and I was just disturbed. I'm wrestling with it, and I said, no, no, I'm not going to, so it's going to be Romans tonight. We're going to stick with Romans, but I'm telling you, I'm challenging you. You know, I was in the military. When I was in the military, they taught me how to do my bed. You know, today, this day, I still dress my bed the same way I learned in boot camp. Hello, somebody. I tighten it up, 45-degree angle, shove it under there. It's nice and tight. You can take something and throw it on the bed. I tried to do it when my mom, my wife was still laying in it. I said, baby, you got to get up. I got to make the bed. I still make the bed. You look at my drawers, all my skivvies or my chonies or whatever you want to call them. They're all ironed. ironed. That's crazy. But they're all folded. My T-shirts are all folded, everything. You know what happens in life? You get sloppy. And when you get sloppy, you bring that sloppiness into the house of God. And that doesn't please God. You come in, you look sloppy. Stop it. Somewhere, we must rise above. You know what someone said? Well, I don't have to dress up to go to church. Someone told me that. I ain't telling you to dress up. But my days, you need to look different than you look when you're going to the store. Yeah. 
Oh, they're just going to the store. No, I'm going to church. Help me, somebody. If they don't, if they don't know it by now, they can look out their window and see it. I don't get dressed up to go to the grocery store. All right. I'm speaking. That's my brother. That's the brother coming out of, a, out of me. Now I'm going to be the preacher. But I'm telling you, folks, we want to rise up. We want God to use our church. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of little stupid things that we're not doing, that we need to do. And if we would stop doing some of the dumb things we do do, I almost, I almost don't even want to preach. just want to start speaking. But I can feel your vibe. Well, who you think you are? I'm speaking who I think I am. I'm your older brother in Christ. And I have every darn right to say that. Hello, somebody. I have every right to stand behind this pulpit and say, no, we need to shape up. You know what, sister? Let me say something to you. I can't believe. No, I'm just kidding. Let me just, <laughs> let me just say Sincerity pleases God. We're back there worshiping, and God whispered that to me. And so as he whispered that to me, I'm thinking, okay, I'm thinking it was for me. And I looked over, and when I looked over and saw your hands in the air, it was for you. And it was during a fast song your hands were in the air. You know what? God says your sincerity pleases him. I don't understand all the ins and outs of that. But it's not just back there. It's in everything that you do. You are very sincere. Would to God. God would give us 50 men with that sincerity. You hear what I'm saying? It pleases God. Amidst all the things that you're not seeing, you want to see. Amidst all the difficulties and ups and downs and frustrations, setbacks, failures, whatever the case might be, your, excuse me, your sincerity really strums a good chord with God. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not off key. It really ministers in the things of God. And you just stay that way. All right, you just stay that way, stay in accord with God. And to all my brothers, I'm, when I'm saying what I'm saying, I'm saying it to the brethren. I know you might be like, who's he thinking? I don't keep. <laughs> Folks, I've pastored a lot of years. I've ministered to a lot of people. And I'm telling you, the things that I'm talking about will trip it up. If we, uh, listen, I remember telling the church that I was in, I took it over. There was 12 folks. I said, listen, folks. Everyone's going to be just like you because I can't out-preach your bad example. So we want men to rise up, then rise up. That doesn't mean just start speaking stuff. That means everything about you, sir, rise up. That means your appearance, rise up. That means, dang, do your hair. Can you feel me? It's in there, folks, that, that, that old boy that used to just, ah, ah, he's there. Remember that, Teresa? Ah, he's there. He's still there. I'm trying to subdue him, but I'm telling you, folks, we've got to change some stuff. If we want to see God move and God help us, folks, it's not going to happen when we're just being all sloppy all the time. Romans chapter 6. Now you won't listen to my sermon, but that's all right. I'm preaching it anyway. Niccolo Paganini willed his marvelous violin to Genoa, the city of his birth. But he did it on one occasion. He said, nobody play it, period. He said, I don't want anyone to play it. It was a very unfortunate 
request and, and command to put in the will because his violin was made of a peculiar piece of wood that as long as it was being handled, it didn't decay. But the moment it was set aside, it was left to rotting. And so what's happened to this man, this incredible violinist, what's happened to his violin to this very day is it's become wormy and in its case. It's rotted. And, the, and they say it's valueless except as a relic that Niccolo Paganini played it. Other than that, it has no value. So the oil and the stress that is placed upon the instrument that come from the hands of the musician is what keep that instrument in great shape. But left in its case, that instrument, untouched, is subject to rotting. I want to talk to you about that today. And this is what God spoke to me on the plane. I already knew he wanted me to. I was just wrestling with God, honestly. I want to talk to you about being uh, a sermon I want to call the melody of heaven about being instruments for God. Romans 6, one verse, verse 13. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from dead, your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Father, tonight I'm asking you, God, you arrest the hearts of men and women. Father, I pray that, God, you would breathe upon us. May there be change, God. Father, God, not just a mental shift, but a change, God, that goes from the mind, trickles to the heart, and, and God, then bleeds into the actions of our life. May our habits change. May our desires change. God, I'm asking for grace. Anoint this message, God. Help me to speak as I ought. In Jesus' name, come on, say amen, everybody. The melody of heaven. Let me talk to you about the expression of an instrument. An instrument only makes the sounds a musician makes it make. There are songs tonight that are very moving. Songs that are very inspirational. And the reason why is because a musician puts their emotion, they put their heart to it. So when they begin to play upon their instrument, the sound that comes from their instrument is very incredible. It is moving. These songs move us because they're played with passion. They move us because they're played with heart. The instrument simply responds to what is played or piped or pressed through it. An instrument is the tool of the musician's passion. It is the tool of a musician's emotion, how they feel, what their outlook is upon life, how they view their family, etc., etc. It is all played when they begin to take up their instrument. First Samuel chapter number 16, verse 15, And Saul's servant said to him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubles you. Let our Lord now command your servants which are before you. Seek out a man, cunning player on a harp, and it will come to pass when the evil spirit from God is on you that he will play with his hand and you shall be well. The need was to have someone play some music on their instrument that would be like medicine to the ears of this man. This was the prescription 
that would help King Saul relax and be relieved from this torment that he was having in his mind. This word distressing spirit or distress, it means to terrify. It means to startle. Have you ever been startled where you've just been suddenly overtaken by fear, overwhelmed in a moment of time? distress. They said, get someone that is skilled in playing upon their instrument with passion, for they will soothe you when they play, and it will relax you when you are overtaken, when you are suddenly terrified with fear, and you'll be refreshed. First Samuel 16, 23, it came to pass. When the evil spirit from God was on Saul, that David took a harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. David took his instrument, and he played with his hand. And the Bible says when he did, Saul escaped the madness. Saul escaped the distress. Saul escaped the misery of the moment that he was in. Why? Because someone took their instrument and played upon it. They played with emotion. They played with passion. And the expression that comes from the instrument is what comes from the very hand that plays it. I hope you're following me. This speaks volumes of King David. See, we have this, uh, this mind about David that he's just this kid who just, you know, all of a sudden he's invited to go play for the king. No, if you know the Bible, the Bible says uh, that Samuel said, when you desire a king, uh, you're, you're, you're ousting God, so you're going to desire a king. Now, this king is going to do some things. One of the things he's going to do, he's going to take your kids and force them to come to the king's palace and work. They said, oh, we want a king. Okay, so here's the first king. What does he do? They snatch David from his family's house. Hello. It's not like they asked him, would you please come and play the harp? No, 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 no. You're going to play this harp. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You're not, they're not asking him nothing. You are going to come and you are going to play when this spirit comes upon him. The spirit comes upon him. He's already, he's acting all crazy. And the Bible says, you're going to play right there. And then David has to play. Now, how would you play? How would you play tonight after I just rebuked you because you come in looking sloppy? Talk to me. See, some of y'all wearing your faces already. And that's exactly how you'll play. You know how David, you know how people play today? You play, hey, you need to come up here. We need someone on. Oh, fine, I'll come up here. I'll play. Hey, no, 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 we need you to sing. We need Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Come on, talk to me. Hello, 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 Virginia Beach. He's snatched from his family, but the Bible says they yank him, and he begins to play. Listen to what I'm saying. He doesn't just play something, you know, just start strumming on this thing. No, he's not just doing what he was commanded, but he is seeing this man tormented. 
And somehow he sees this and it trickles down and he begins to take up his instrument with pride and play upon that instrument with all of his passion, all the might that he could muster up. He played with the inspiration that the king is not only asking me to play, but I can see he needs me to play. Can you see any need to do anything? Hello. Needs me. With that emotion and with that passion, David placed his hands upon that instrument. And the Bible says when he began to play with his own hand, Saul found deliverance. The only scripture reference I know in New Testament is referring to instruments as this right here, our text. Listen to what it says again. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. That the instruments that we are to yield are not simply that of brass and stringed instruments or, or drums. But, beloved, you and I, we are the instrument that is to be yielded and played. See, when we yield ourselves as an instrument of righteousness to God, God himself will take you and I up and play upon that instrument with his hand a melody of heaven. God will play a melody of heaven on his instrument on earth. And there are many souls, beloved, that are tormented, living life in rebellion like Saul, living life rejected like Saul, living life broken like Saul, tormented in mind, just like him who desperately need that passionate song to be played in their hearing. They desperately need, oh, well, you know, Saul was a rebel. And it was only for a moment. Man, it was a moment. It only takes a moment for someone to shift and all of a sudden make a change. It only takes a moment for God to strum the right chords on his instrument in their hearing. But what if he can't? What if there's no instrument to play? They said, get an instrument. Get a musician and let him come bring his instrument. When he plays, you will find sanity, Saul. Now, what if there's no instrument? That's why we have a bunch of folks insane, because look at the church today. The instruments are all jacked up. Hello, somebody. Fornicating, lying, cheating, whoremongering around, living like, living like jackrabbits, um, living two-faced, lied lives. Um, they're all messed up. Um, and look at them today. Look at the church. Look at people. Began to witness to the lady at the hotel. As I began to share, she said, oh, I praise God every single day. I'm looking at her. I can look and see. Listen, I'm not a scholar. I'm not God, but I can look and see. Quit your lying. Stop. I go to church whenever I can. <laughs> so does the devil. Come on, talk to me. Folks need that song to be played in their hearing. 
They need a moment's reprieve. You say, what song will they hear when the Lord plays on my life? I don't know. It's a song that only you can play, that God can play on you. It's a song that, oh, that's, that's genuine. It's a, it's a personalized song. It's a song of redemption. It's your story, your story. Ain't nobody else can play it but you. It's deliverance. It's forgiveness. It's your song. And you know what happens when God can play your song and they're hearing? They can escape their trouble. They can escape their distress that has overwhelmed them when the Lord is permitted to play and express himself through us. You know what Jesus said to Paul? You know what he said to Paul? He said, you are my chosen vessel to turn them from darkness unto light. You are my chosen vessel. You with me? So that's the instrument. Let's talk about the instrument getting tuned. The violin in the story was sitting in its case for years because Niccolo Paganini said, I don't want anyone to ever play it. I mean, there are some instruments that are pretty expensive, pretty delicate, and the fear of breaking it maybe. The lack of finesse from unskilled hands have damaged many instruments beyond their repair. How many know that? But even though that's the case, I declare to you an instrument sitting in its case is no good. It is useless unless it's played. So then say someone desires to play the instrument. They know how to play. They take it up and they begin to play. But because it's been sitting around so long, the instrument's out of tune. In Raleigh, I had the privilege to pray for a man in a hospital. I don't know how great of a miracle it was. They said he wasn't going to come out, but he did come out. He came out, but then he passed away about a year or so later. And then about a year or so later after that, um, I got a phone call, and they were saying that he left a piano to the church in his will. Oh, that's nice. Nice of him to think of the church. You know, that's, that's nice. Okay. He's never even stepped foot in the church. So that's nice. You know, praise God. So we go to get a beautiful piano. We're all just looking at it. Like six of us guys like, man, this thing is beautiful. We had to go get a, a U-Haul to grab it. Put it in the U-Haul, tied it down, brought it to the church, took all of us to get it up the steps uh, onto the stage. We wheeled it to the back. Uh, and I said, fingers, that's what I called them, play. He started to play on it. <clears throat> I said, hey, you ain't playing that right, pal. He said, no, I am. I said, no, you're not. You ain't playing it right. He said, no, I am. You know what the problem wasn't him. The problem was the instrument sat around so long it was way out of tune. Maybe it sat around because the man got sick. Maybe it sat around because, you know what, I just don't feel like playing it. Maybe it was just a decor after some time in his house. Maybe it just sat there and he just let it sit and put things on it, became a nice furniture piece. Nonetheless, through the summer, the winter, the spring, the fall, and on and on it goes. Through all the seasons of life, it sat there. And because it sat through every season, you go to play on it, you can tell it's a piano by looking at it, but not by its sound. You hearing me? If we're going to use it, we're going to have to invest to have that thing tuned or nobody's going to be able to sing with it. You know why? 
because that instrument won't harmonize with the rest of the instruments that will be played. The instrument needs work. Folks, that's exactly how we can be. Remember, you and I are the instrument to be yielded. And for some of us, it's been a long time since we honestly yielded our members as instruments of righteousness. Therefore, when it's time to play, things don't seem right. Things are off. Not playing the same. It's not like it used to be. How many know what I'm saying? Maybe your strings are, are wound up a bit too tight and, you know, you, you, you get to playing on, 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 on your life and, and you're like a, a guitar that's, that's, that's playing a China song. Ding, dong, dong, ding, dong, dong. You just wound up too tight. You're going to end up being like his guitar tonight. Snap. Everything, critical of everything, judgmental on everything, just overly righteous. You're so super spiritual. You're wound all up. Others, you're wound up too loose. Just, hey, whatever goes, goes. Who cares, man? Yeah, yeah, yo, I'm, hey, just be glad I'm here. Really? Whatever the case, the instrument needs to be tuned. John chapter number 6, verse 70, it says, Jesus answered, have I not chosen you, the 12, and one of you is a devil? Jesus, all night in prayer, comes down from prayer, and he says, you, 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 chooses these 12 after all night in prayer. Why? The Bible says specifically that you might be with me. And there they are. They're appointed by God to be with God. And then when it comes time for him to use the instrument, he says, you're not piping the sound of heaven you're piping the sound of hell have i not chosen you yet one of you is piping the wrong sound the bible says in first corinthians 14 and verse 8 if a trumpet give an uncertain sound who shall prepare himself for the battle what that's speaking of is they, the trumpets gave blasts uh, for different calls. They assembly, they calls for worship. Uh, but then there was the call to, to man and arm uh, and assemble. Uh, and if it gives an uncertain sound, everyone's like, what in the world was that? Huh? What was that about? If it's not giving the right sound, it must sound off accurately. You're hearing tonight. And each instrument has a desired sound and must sound off correctly. Hebrews 5.13 says, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them who are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It says, By reason of use, a man or a woman becomes skilled. By reason of use. Have you been used at all? Can you be used at all? By reason of use. See, when we're in tune, it's because we have been used. You're never in tune sitting on the sideline. Never. 
We're in tune because we have not been sitting around collecting dust. But we have had the hands of the musician play as melody upon our lives. How many are with me? That's why an instrument stays in tune. A musician is a man or a woman who is skilled in music. All music was supposed to be to the glory of God. When we are a vessel, an instrument, meet for the master's use, he can take us up and begin to play his melody upon our lives that cause every man and woman to stand in amazement and be captivated. They are able to forget their woes, their burdens. They're able to be drawn to the sound the Lord is able to make on his instrument. But an instrument never makes its own expression. You hearing me tonight? It needs a musician. And it's, all these instruments aren't going to just start playing all of a sudden on their own. If they did, me and all y'all would be running. John 5.30 says, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own, but the will of the Father which has sent me. That's Jesus speaking. He goes deeper. Come on, pay attention. He goes deeper. John 12, 49, for I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say, what I should speak. You know what he's saying? He said, I'm an instrument. I ain't piping my own sounds. So I'm speaking what the Father pipes through me. We're to be an instrument yielded to the righteousness of God. And if that be the case, our obedience to the touch of the master is what tightens the strings of our lives. Our obedience is what adjusts the head of the drum. Our obedience, beloved, is what sets the pins in the piano to make this instrument be able to coordinate with that instrument. That's what does it. It's our obedience. But when we're disobedient, we're out of tune. It's when God asks you and I to do something. When God begins to challenge you to rise up. When God begins to deal with you about being lazy and slothful. When God begins to speak to you about studying the Bible, not just reading words and, and not even putting sentences together and having any comprehension at all. When God begins to speak to you about tithing and being honest with your resources. When God begins to speak to you about being committed, committed to him as he was to you. And I'm not talking about to ministry, this, that, and the other. I'm talking about being committed to Christ. Committed to Jesus. When God begins to speak down from heaven, his word to you and I, to, for you and I to forgive someone who hurt us.
when God says pray for that person who, who spitefully used you. You know what he's doing when he's doing this? He's being mean. No, he's not. You know what he's doing? Um, he's tuning his instrument for further use. He's tuning his instrument for use. And if you're going to be an instrument that's skillful, you're going to understand this is the process of being used by God. He tunes us. And this process sometimes is not comfortable. It's painful. Not always. No, it's not. Not always. Hebrews 12, 6. The Bible says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Sometimes it's a joy. It's not always painful. Hebrews 12, 11 says, now no chastening for the present time seems to be joyous, but grievous. Sometimes, Oswald Sender says, men think God is destroying them when in essence he is tuning them. If an instrument cannot stay in tune, it will be set to the side. And this is, folks, you're not going to like how this sounds, but you're just going to have to swallow this. If an instrument will not stay in tune, it will not be able to be used. It will be set to the side and considered useless. Now, I know that sounds mean. He just called me. I did not. Unless you're disobedient. If you're disobedient according to the purposes of God, you're useless to God. You'd be a trumpet that sets an, uh, an uncertain sound. You'd be one that was chosen, but is not of God. Are you hearing this? And this is the danger that we could begin to say, oh, I'm okay. But yeah, seriously? Why would it be set to the side? I tell you why. Because it will not be able to play in the orchestra of the Lord. You know why? Because it won't harmonize with the rest of God's instruments. It won't harmonize. You know, it's interesting. In Raleigh, North Carolina, when we were pastoring, my sons, they were really music musical. They picked up every instrument. It's absolutely astounding. But uh, my Dorian played the bass, and he was good on it. Just started really good. And, and my other on the drums, and we had this rocking song. So it was just rocking, man. We are just having a blast worshiping God. And one day, man, I'm saying, hey, hey. I said, stop, son. Midway of the song, he stopped playing. He thought it was just for a second, and he stopped him. And no, no, no. And he started to play. I said, stop. You stop. So we went through that song, the next song in the worship, hey, he's starting to play again. I said, no, 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 stop. So at the end of the story, he said, Dad, how can you're making me stop? I said, because you ain't playing right. Something's wrong with you. You, ain't, you didn't tune your instrument. So what happened? He said, no, I did. I did before service. I said, well, you didn't do it right. Something's wrong. So what happened? Sunday night service, he did it again. Same thing. I said, no, no, stop. And he's like, Ooh. you know, I remember how Dorian was. I said, no, you ain't playing this. you you got to figure that thing out. That thing is way off. So he's messing with it and he's messing with it. So he, I guess he, he did it a few times, and, and finally he got frustrated. He took it up to the guitar center, asked them to help him. Couldn't seem to get it in tune. So he gets it in. They get it in tune. They play it, and within like two minutes of playing, it gets out of tune again. They tune it, do it again. It gets out of tune again. They look at it, and they look at it, and they do something to it, and they said he got like four hairline fractures on neck. Four. 
They told him how much it was going to be to fix that. So, no, nah, forget that. We just bought a new one. We bought a new one. And you know, Raleigh probably still has that base, and you know where it's at? In a closet. You know why? If that's good for an instrument that you and I can take up, how much more you and I when God wants to take us up? You know how that instrument got cracked? Can I just talk about it real quick? Them old bad kids that were running around the church. <laughs> Pam and it, Pam. I said, you keep your bad kids off this stage. And they just kind of looked at me. I said, they ain't smiling neither. Your kid breaks it, you just bought it. Boy, they had them kids next to them, I'm telling you. That ended that. Kids running around, busting stuff up. I don't know who did it. Okay. All right. First kid I see that's in second gear and not first in the church is paying for something. You're mean. Yeah, I guess so. That bass guitar sitting in a, in a closet because it will not harmonize. Psalms 133, verse number one, behold. How good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. There's a joy. You know, I'm not musical, but I love worship. I'm not musical, but I love to lead worship. I absolutely loved it. And I don't know all the songs and all the, you know, uh, whatever they call the choir. They have all these different people in the choir octaves and different things. I don't know, but I know what I always looked for. I said, here's what we're going to do. Had a sister in the church. She's still there. She, she went to school. She knows the musical stuff. And so I said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to set my voice, and I want everyone to follow me. And so I just go, ah, uh, and then they would come in. And then soon as they'd come in, they'd get it. They'd get it. And when they got this little hum, I don't know how to explain what I'm looking for, but I heard a hum. I said, ah, that's how every song must be right there. You need to quickly find that right there. And when we worshiped all. Oh, they quickly found that, and it was like, man, it was like things. That must be what Jehoshaphat had going on that made the devil get defeated. Man, we got an accord, and something happened. We had like five, six singers, and I'm telling you, something just happened. It just gelled the moment we got there. The moment we got there. Why? Because now we're in sync. Now we're singing together. Now there's this unity that pleases God. It's a symphony. A symphony. It's an array of instruments that are sounding off, um, making a triumphant sound that pleases God. Revelation 19.6, and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as a sound of many waters, and as a sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, the Lord God omnipotent reigns, thunderings, multitude, many waters. We're talking about a chorus of angels, a chorus of men, the redeemed, singing in unison, and it sounded like thunder. Talking profound. And what were they saying in unison? The Lord God omnipotent reigns. You know, folks, um, I ask myself, I ask myself often, Lord, what do people hear when you decide to play on my life? (laughs) 
What do they hear when you take your hand with all the passion and emotion that is in you and play on my life? What do they, is my life out of tune, Lord? Can I pipe the right sounds even today as a minister? Can I pipe the right sounds? Even as a preacher, I have preached the wrong sermon. And no, at the end of it, felt like I failed horribly. I said, oh, God, can I still pipe the right sound? Even as a preacher, how do I contribute to the whole tonight, God? Am I out of tune, Lord, with your orchestra? Okay, let's close and talk about God's orchestra. I never would have thought I'd like music like Beethoven. But I do. I love Beethoven. I don't understand it all. Don't come try and explain it to me because I won't get it even if you try. But somehow they have written this music so that it does something. How it's written does something to the way we process and think. And so somehow it causes our brain, causes us to think better. That's scientifically proven. My kids were in grade school in Clarksville when we were pioneering. We went to one of the class, you know, the teacher class thing of uppers, whatever. And so we go in, meet the teacher, sit down. And as we meet the teacher, she got this music playing. She's one of them old teachers, old school teacher, about 70-some years old, kind of heavier set black lady. And she, you know, like a grandma, you know, she had tape on the ground. I'm like, what's the tape? She said, oh, that tape, uh, the kids have to walk on that tape. They can't get off that tape. And right when she was telling me, one of the kids stepped off the tape to kind of show off with his friends, uh, little friend. She said, you better get back on that tape. He goes. <laughs> she said, that tape is on that ground. They know where they can break off to get to their chair. That keeps everybody in line. I said, oh. And she had this stereo playing. And it had real low, it had Beethoven or Mozart or, you know, classical music playing. And I'm like, I said, do you always have that playing? She goes, oh, yes. I said, really, why? <laughs> I'm like, why? I like wordless music. I like jazz. You know, but I, this? Why? She says, oh, because two things it does. Two things. <laughs> Number one, every child knows instinctively they can't talk louder than this music. Isn't that funny? Let me show you how I know that's true. Because when I was talking to her, I was like, and so how come you're playing this music? <laughs> it's bizarre. It's really bizarre. Even when I wanted to say, come on, I was talking lower than the music. It's just something, it's just weird. It's weird. Second thing, she said, it's been proven that their test scores, they test higher when I leave this play. So it always plays. So I told a good friend of mine, he's pastoring over there in New Mexico. He's like, whatever. I said, I listen to it all the time. It welcomes me in my office. If I get in the car and get out of the car, my wife, it welcomes her because that's what goes on the moment I get in there. I'm always listening to it. And so he's like, whatever. He called me about a year ago and said, dude, it works. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, I've been listening to classical, man. I'm getting so much revelation. <laughs> I said, man, you've just been reading your Bible finally. But anyways. An orchestra. It's a company of performers on various musical instruments, including stringed instruments, clarinets, flutes, cornets, trombones, drums, cymbals for played concerted music, such as symphonies, operas, and other compositions. Small orchestra is 50 instruments. 50. 
a large orchestra as a hundred or more. An orchestra, I'm going to butcher some of these, just bear with me. Let me give you all the instruments that are in an orchestra. Of the woodwinds, piccolo, two flutes, two oboes, coranglias, two clarinets in B-flat, a bass clarinet in A, uh, a clarinet in E-flat, two bassoons, two contrabassoons. Brass, four horns, three trumpets, three trombones, a tuba. Percussion, you have a timpani, a snare drum, tenor drum, bass drum, cymbals, a tom-tom, triangle, a woodblock, tambourine, glockenspiel, xylophone, vibraphone, chimes, and a marimba. Keyboards, you have a baby grand piano or a grand piano and a celesta. I don't know if it's the same or what. Strings, you have a harp, 30 violins, 12 violas, 10 cellos, 8 double basses. Every one of those instruments makes a different sound. Every one of them. But they're all working together in unison. They're all working together in time, and it creates this incredible, this most exhilarating, gloriously invigorating, breathtaking sound when you hear it. It's astounding. It's absolutely, you know, I usually have a video playing when I'm doing this. So you can see it's absolutely astounding. The beauty of the symphony is not the soloist. But it is the whole working together. Creating this wonderful masterpiece. This conglomerate of sounds from each instrument that literally is amazing to the ear. By itself. But you put that with all these other, and somehow, you know, our church in Raleigh, I was under the persuasion, you don't have to sing, because I don't know how to sing. So now you don't have to sing, know how to sing to be in choir. I said, if you can hold a note, you'll help us. And so I had people in there, put them by themselves, and we wouldn't have a church. Be like you stepped on both legs of a bullfrog. <laughs> but you put that with everyone else, and I declare to you, everybody who ever stepped into the song services in Raleigh said, this is amazing. And it literally was. Absolutely breathtaking. When we are instruments of righteousness that God Almighty would choose to play his heavenly melody upon, our life, beloved, becomes part of God's, God's orchestra. We become God's symphony. We are then his expression in the earth. You know what happens? People will see God. They'll hear his voice. They'll capture the awe of the creator when they hear what he plays through your life. And you know what? He gets the glory. And, and you know, when I was in this church, 
just a busted up young little punk kid. God whispered that to me. He whispered, you know what he said? He said, all I want is the glory. Can I get the glory from your life? Can I? Well, how I was living, there is no way. But, oh, that became the thing that I recognize, and it's become the, the drumbeat in my own heart. God, all you want is the glory. He can get it from everything else, every animal, from the trees, the wind, the sun, the moon, the stars, from the fish, from the animals that went two by two into the ark. They simply responded, but see, you and I, he said, I'll get it from inanimate objects, rocks, rocks, rocks will praise me. Ain't going to let no rock out praise me. Right? Hey, he said, rocks will praise me. But you and I, we have to choose to allow him to make our life his expression. We have to choose to let him get the glory from our life. You know, at the end of a concert, you ever hear the crescendo, the end of the guy's wigs all over the place. He's over there. He's doing this. You know what happens? You know what usually happens? Folks stand up and they applaud. They stand up and applaud. And you know they don't do it like this. <laughs> there ain't no golf clapping. There, there, there. No. <laughs> They're ugly with their claps. How many know what I'm talking about? They're just happy, man. They're moved to their feet. Are you with me? They get a standing ovation. But who gets the standing ovation? Huh? Who gets the standing ovation? Come on. You got an orchestra that has 100 or more instruments in it. What happens to those instruments? Huh? Them instruments get set to the side, and who takes a stand? Them musicians stand up, don't they? The instrument's set down where it's supposed to be. And the musician stands up, and what does he do? Take a bow. See, somehow we have this thing backwards. We want, we want the glory. But he said, I'll share my glory with nobody. He wants the glory. We're just the instrument. We're just set to the side when it's over. It's all about you, right? It's all about you, God. You know, let me show you this in Scripture, and then I'm done. The Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter number 6, Stephen, 
There he is. He's wrestling with these religious fanatics, and, and he's preaching to them the truth. He goes all the way back historically to Abraham coming up out into the time with Moses and the miracle and all the 40 years of wandering. And then he comes all the way to where they are and says, you guys are stiff-necked, always stone, always reject the word of God. He is literally putting his finger up in the face of every self-righteous, ungodly. He's a young kid. He's there. He's not a preacher per se. He's just someone waiting on tables. But he has moved by the spirit of God to stand as an instrument for God. And you know what happens? The Bible says when it was done, they picked up stones. They gnashed their teeth. They're going to kill him. They are going to kill him. They do kill him. They grabbed them stones. And they begin to throw or thrust him down where they're going to stone him. And the Bible says something so specific. The Bible says um, Jesus said that he's going to sit at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So Jesus ascended and goes back and he sits at the right hand. But when Stephen said, Stephen said, I see heaven open and I see the son of man. I see the son of God standing at the right hand. The only time you find him standing is when you got a man who is willing to stand for him. And you got a man standing for him and God stands up on the throne and says, oh, come on home, son. That's the standing ovation we want. Can you say amen? God, when it's all done, I want you standing. I want you getting the glory, not this guy. I want it to be about you. Can you say amen? Can God get glory from your life? Can God, will you allow him to let your life be his expression? Come on, bow your heads. Close your eyes with me. Would you allow him to let your life be his expression in the earth tonight? Sharing with Pastor Dillard today. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.